Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Fatman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, 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 what's cracking? And welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. And I'm your host, Darren Fatman McDuffie. Tonight, Power Pack Show tonight, this book that I read a while back resonated so much with me, I had to reach out to uh, Dr. Shauna Young and ask her to be on the show because some of the things that she was saying in her book, uh, if naturopaths are uh, naturopaths are quacks, then I'm a duck, and I must be a duck. I think that's the title. Um, but the book resonated so on so many levels with me because some of the things that she goes through or went through in her practice, rather, is some of the things I deal with with health. Sometimes you just want to tell people like it ti is, and sometimes you can't do that. But her book was more than enough. Um, she did more than enough of, of telling how it TI is or how it exactly is. And I'm really uh, excited to have her on the show. But before I bring her on, don't forget to connect with me on my Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash I'm the fat man. Also connect with me on Twitter, the fat underscore man. And you can be uh, all the updates for the show will be put there. And also, uh, you can just connect with me on Facebook, on my personal Facebook page, under Darren McDuffie. And I also post events on there as well. So, tonight's show, really excited for it. Can't wait to get into it. Uh, next week, we actually have another uh, naturopath on, and that'll be Dr. Wayne Pickering. And he'll be talking about food combining, because some people actually... Uh, create their own gastric distress by combining the wrong foods. And we'll get into that next week. So join me for the, that show next week. But right now we're going to get into uh, if naturopaths are quacks, then I must be a duck with Dr. Shauna Young. So let me bring on Dr. Shauna. Darren? <laughs> yes, Dr. Shauna, are you there? I'm there. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. This is a uh, it's been a great day today, beautiful day here in Colorado. Yeah, yeah, you're actually in Colorado. It's not still cold there, is it? No, it was like summer weather today. It's absolutely beautiful. People think that a lot about Colorado, that's really cold. I live in the southwest area, and it's, it's uh-huh. really nice. It's very temperate here, but, yeah, beautiful day. Cool. Yeah, that's. A, I don't like to start the show with weather, but let's get into how you became a, uh, a naturopath. How did you get into this, this this journey? I kind of pieced that together from reading the book, but I wanted you to share that with the audience. Well, I was raised uh, kind of differently, you know, for somebody in, in my age group. My, uh, my mom and dad were not really into the whole, like, vaccine thing or, you know, going to the doctor or anything like that. So that just kind of got skipped over. My mom, fortunately, was on the school board, so it made it easier. But it wasn't that they were against uh, allopathic medicine per se. It's just that they didn't see any reason to, uh, you know, take kids that were healthy and put something into them that could possibly make them unhealthy. So I kind of had that sort of upbringing in the first place. You know, I my uh, family doctor was a chiropractor, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I have kind of a different view on medicine anyway. Um, but in 
um, around um, in the 1980s, I was living in, uh, in Los Angeles, and uh, the whole uh, HIV thing started, you know, and all of that. And I kind of got interested in, in if there was any way of, that, you know, natural medicine could help something like that and just kind of started studying natural medicine on my own. And it was always something that I was really interested in and that I did a lot of research into whenever I had a chance. Um, and then when I was living in, uh, uh, in Nashville, actually, I had um, moved out there, and I got uh, Lyme's disease. And uh, I thought, you know, I've never had an antibiotic in my entire life, and I really don't want to start now. So, you know, there's got to be a way to, to do something natural that, you know, that would work. So I started researching natural antibiotics and, you know, um, liver detoxing, you know, the, uh, blood detoxification, that kind of stuff, and, uh, and got rid of my Lyme disease in about three months. And so I thought, well, you know, this is something people would definitely be interested in. And um, I actually started seriously considering doing that. And I went back to, uh, to school and became a, a naturopathic doctor. And then I moved out here to Colorado and, uh, and started my practice 13 years ago. Wow, wow. And for those people out there, kind of explain what a naturopathic doctor is or a naturopath. Because honestly, <laughs> to tell you the truth, um, in 2005, uh, my mother passed away. And at that time, that's when I kind of got more enlightened and, and got more conscious about the whole pharmaceutical industry because I was in the pharmaceutical industry. But I had no idea up until probably maybe 2007 what a, a naturopath is. Can you kind of explain that? Yeah, it's, it's funny how, how often that happens. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, oh, what do you do for a living? I say, oh, I'm a naturopathic doctor. And they go, oh, what is that now? <laughs> you know, it is not mm -hmm. so well known. Um, I am, there's different schools of naturopathic medicine. I am what they call it a traditional naturopath, which means that I don't even do any kind of invasive testing, um, nothing that involves drugs or surgery or, or invasive procedures or anything like that. So um, I work completely uh, with diet, uh, water, you know, supplements, that kind of stuff. But to be honest with you, I work a lot more through diet and lifestyle than I do even through supplements. Um, as naturopaths go, I am a very low uh, recommender of, uh, of supplements. Um, I don't believe in a Band-Aid approach. What natural medicine is, is it's at its core, is um, extremely simple. It's, it's all about putting the right things into your body to get it to run correctly and getting to the base of what is wrong with someone. What generally happens is we, we have a sick care industry and not a health care industry. And what happens is, is a person gets sick and then they go to the doctor and then they figure out how to make the symptoms of whatever their sickness is go away. Like um, when people ta ask me questions, uh, when they always, you read, I'm sure, the one quick question that became the bane of my life. Uh, generally what they want to ask me is like, how do I sleep better or how do you get rid of headaches or something like that. And my answer is never simple. You know, if you say to a regular, like, naturopathic doctor or even a lot of naturopathic doctors, what do I do for a headache? They're going to give you something to take. You know, in my situation, if somebody says, well, what do you do for headaches? I say, well, how much water do you drink? You know, do you eat uh, grains? Do you take this? How many hours do you sleep? You know, it's, it's a more complex question. But when you go to the basis of what is wrong with something and fix that, then you're changing it differently. I had actually a Chinese doctor that I worked, that I used to work with a long time ago that explained it so beautifully. Um, somebody said, well, isn't the point if somebody comes in and they're in pain, you know, isn't it the point to get them out of pain? And she said, 
No, it's more like, she said, if you're sitting in the living room and the smoke alarm goes off in the kitchen and you run into the kitchen, do you put out the fire or do you turn off the smoke alarm? And, you know, of course, if you put out the fire, if you, turn, if you put out the fire, the smoke alarm goes off by itself. That is the right. basis of natural medicine. We're about putting out the fire so that all of the symptoms or the smoke alarm goes off by themselves. Yeah, one one glaring difference um, that I, I found because in my past life calling on doctors, you know, when you I don't know if naturopaths deal with reps or anything like that uh, of that nature, mm-hmm. but I know when I was always a rep, I would have like five minutes of doctors going in one door and out the other door, and you have five minutes to kind of tell him what you want to tell him. And one of the things that I thought was really uh, enlightening was that you spend at least an hour with the patient on the initial mm-hmm. examination. Tell us why you yep. do that. Um, I don't think, you know, if you really want to understand a person and you really want to try and get to the basis of their, of their ailments or of their problems, you need to spend some time with them. You know, they're not coming in and saying, I have a headache and I'm saying, here, here's a headache pill. You know, again, it's, it's, you have to really get to the bottom of it. Also, too, you know, a lot of people, they talk about, you know, your third eye and that kind of stuff. And I always joke around that I have a third ear because um, a lot of times people will come in and they'll say, well, you know, this is my issue. I have this going on, this going on. But after you listen to them for a while, you know, and and you hear them talk about themselves for a while, you start picking up on, on what's really going on. You know, what's like a lot of times people will have weird symptoms. Um, for example, I had somebody telling me about all these stomach problems they were having, and I was watching him um, chew on the, like, the skin next to his thumbnail the whole time he was talking to me, which is a big clue that a person has parasites. Um, the chewing your nails and stuff like that a lot of times is, is, is something that indicates parasites. Um, I can also get a lot from looking at a person, the color of their skin, the color of their eyes, um, spots on the fingernails, uh, you know, all kinds of things. So it takes a while for a person to, you know, to really come up with what, you know, what the real issues are. Um, I also, in my own experience with doctors, um, have felt very rushed and um, basically kind of uncared for, you know, and, it's, and I hate to say that because it's not their fault. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of times it's the HMOs, you know, that are telling them that they have to take 15 people an hour, you know, and not, not the doctor deciding that. But it, it, it just makes you, you never quite get the chance to, you know, to tell them what's really going on or to get any real information from them. Um, I also uh, talk to people about their diet very, very extensively, and you just can't get through that in 20 minutes. You know, you just, I mean, it's an, it's an impossibility. So yeah. all of my original t- intakes are an hour long, and then the, even the Reese's, even after they've already heard me blah, blah, about their diet and everything, it, there's still a half an hour. Because it, it, it just takes time for people to be able to, they forget things. You know what I mean? You don't walk in there and, you know, and, and be able to put everything out, you know. So I just think it's really important that people have enough time to express what is really happening to them. Yeah, I always said um, when I... I always tell people that when I when you go to a doctor, you basically diagnose yourself. You just go in and tell them what what's wrong. <laughs> they, well, that's a great way of putting it. Exactly. Yeah. You, well, you especially since you just seen an ad on television for the drug that you want as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have this, and I want this drug for it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that later. Later. Um, one of the things I thought was hilarious was the five people that you see. You you kind of boil them down to the five people that you see in your practice. Let's discuss um, those five people. I think I have them written down here somewhere. Um, 
one was the the lister one person the person who oh. comes in there with a list can you explain yeah. those those five people oh my i i like list makers personally because you know that helps your thoughts be more concise and if somebody you know whips out a a, a little uh, you know notebook they've been writing in or a little piece of paper or, or something like that and they say well, this is what's been going on, and they give me this sort of list of stuff that's happening, and that's great because that's concise and quick, and I like that. But, oh, my gosh, I have people come in with uh, folders, you know, like notebooks that are divided into, you know, 12 sections of, uh, you know, what they're happening with these typed lists. I've had people bring create pie charts to show me, like, how much of the time they felt like, you know, they were feeling like they wanted to and how much they weren't. And it's, you know, if, I mean, if somebody pulls out a list on a yellow piece of paper or something, I'm thrilled. Typed ones start showing up and the pie charts start showing up. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you, are not, you are not going to please this person, okay? I mean, you can get rid of their, of their Lyme disease or their, you know, whatever, or their fibromyalgia, whatever's going on. But they will always have something on that horrifying from hell list, you know, that will keep you humble. You know, there's, there's always going to be a dry spot on the top of their ear or, you know, eyelashes that turn the wrong. I mean, you would not believe some of the stuff people would come up with. It is just amazing. I believe it because I talk to people. Um, <laughs> the, other one, the other one was I feel funny, folks. Let's get into that one. Uh you know, the thing is, is that we're trying to give enough time. We're trying to get, let people be, you know, specific, uh, you know, and all of that. And it was really funny because uh, after I had done this, I actually had friends. Uh, my boyfriend will do it quite often. People will pull that on me where I say, well, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, I feel funny. And I go right down the rabbit hole. Well, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> I don't realize they're pulling my leg, you know. Right. But, um, but it's very difficult when you say to somebody, you know, well, what, what's going on? Well, my, my stomach, you know, I'm having problems with my stomach. Okay, well, what does that entail? I mean, does it hurt? Is it, is it cramps? Is it more like a pain? Well, it just feels, I don't know, it just feels funny. Well, funny how? I mean, it's fullness, uh, achy, uh, it doesn't feel like it's digesting. No. Well, uh, um, upset, um, nausea, pain? No. You know, and it's, well, I mean, I'll, I'll get right on that. You know, let me let me let me just dive right into that. Then you know, it's like they're not even telling me what's wrong with them, and yet I'm supposed to you know to fix it. And that and that goes for everything. This the, the I just feel funny stuff. You know, it's it, <laughs> I don't know how we're supposed to fix that one. I I don't have one. I always thought uh, that it would be funny, although my sense of humor is whacked out, so you can't really trust me. But I always thought that it would be funny to have a bunch of empty gel caps, you know, in a jar on my mm -hmm. uh, desk, and if somebody said, well, I feel funny and wouldn't go into any more description, that I'd give them a, you know, a handful of empty gel caps. <laughs> yeah, placebo, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the one that kind of struck me, and it, I, guess, I think it was the first one, was the self-medicators, and you run into people like this. They're always they're on a, this vitamin or this other supplement or this mineral, and they're taking uh. it, and they don't realize what is for, how much they're taking, or anything, and that's the danger in it, correct? Oh, absolutely. For example, when you're, when you're taking so many things, I mean, how are you supposed to, you know, how are you supposed to um, know whether it's working or not? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're taking, I have people come in, 
the, the worst one I ever saw, and I am not kidding you here, Darren. I know that probably your listeners are going to think that this sounds like I'm exaggerating. I'm not. I always ask people to bring everything that they're taking with them, you know, prescription supplements, everything, so that I can see them. I had somebody bring a black garbage bag in. Are you saying a hefty bag? A hefty bag, garbage bag? A, a, the, the kind that would go into your, your trash can in your garage. Oh, wow. Wow. I can't believe that. I could not fit what she was taking on the desk. I had to, like, line it all up all over the floor of my office. And, this, and, and, and there's a whole – and she – because she said – I always tell people, if you want to stay well, stay off the Internet to a great extent. You know what I mean? <laughs> Obviously, that's not always the case. But when, you're, when people don't feel well and they're cruising around for something that might make them feel better, you know, there are so many websites and there's products and – your friend refers you to this, and somebody refers you to that, and your hairdresser tells you about this. And once you start taking all those things, then you can't even tell, like, what's working or what isn't. And a lot of people, they say, well, what are you taking, uh, you know, this, this supplement for? And they go, oh, um, well, isn't it good for you? And I'm like, good for what? I mean, what are you trying to work on with this particular supplement? Oh, um, I don't know. I just thought it was good for you. You know, and there's an awful lot of that going on, um, and there's a lot of marketing going on. But what really disturbs me is something that I call vitamin stacking, and it's and that's just my own term. But um, all of these uh, vitamin and mineral complexes that are out there, for the most part, um, are supposed to be 100% of what you need that day. Like if you look at the DVIs on the back, it'll say you know 100% of the vitamin C for the day, or 100% of the vitamin D, or whatever. So when you start taking products and you're taking multiple products, then you're, you're overdosing. And on some, of, some vitamins and minerals, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, the water-soluble ones will just kind of rinse out of your body. But the fat-soluble ones, you can really get into trouble on. I mean, I, I have a lot of people that are taking so much vitamin D uh, that they're, um, they're running into a lot of problems with kidney stones and stuff like that. And it's just because they're taking too many supplements. But the self-medicators are also very, very difficult to get them to stop that or to change because they very much con- convince themselves that the only reason that they're, that they're feeling as good as they are, and that's a quote, um, is because they're taking all this stuff. And so when you start saying, well, I don't want you to do this or take this or take that, they get very freaked out by that, and that, that does become a problem. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I, something kind of resonated with me when I was reading this is because when I was in the pharmaceutical industry, we learned that every drug that you take goes through your liver, so that could be yep. taking all those supplements can be very taxing to the liver, and then you have people that have livers that aren't the cleanest livers in the world, and then they're putting all of these uh, supplements yeah. in there, so it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, and just think about all the gel caps. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the gel caps themselves. Um, I have a friend who um, does colon hydrotherapy, and she said that, you know, these people a lot of times that, that their, their biggest problem in their life is that their, their um, you know, their bowel and their intestines are just completely bound up with gel caps. So, wow. in the, and you can do that when you're taking one. It was not unusual for me to see somebody that was taking, like, three pages of a typed list of, of stuff. Yeah, and that's a danger because I know a lot of people buy these over-the-counter supplements, and I know a lot of people are taking these bodybuilding supplements and all of this stuff. So oh, I can yeah. see a, a big, big problem. Um, Two million dollars. Well, a lot of them are a lot of vitamins are made by Big Pharma. 
you know? Yeah. A lot of these yeah. products, you know, it may have a label of, you know, Nature's Basket of Bunnies on it, but but it's actually made by Merck, you know, or, or SmithKline or something. And those products, there's nothing in them. They're not designed to work. They're kind of designed to not work, you know? Yeah, yeah, because they want you to buy more. They want you to buy more stuff. Um, $2 million question for you. Uh, it actually it's two questions uh, into one. Uh, a long time ago, I was reading a story about someone famous. I won't say who it is. And she ended up passing away from cancer. And just before she passed away from cancer, she decided to try an alternative therapy or alternative physician. Why is it, and is our mentality backwards to the, the, that we want to go to the most extreme thing first. In, in some cases, if you have cancer, it's chemo, versus trying something that's more non-invasive. And how, how realistic is it to say let's have realistic expectations? Because being in the health field and, and being on the fitness side at one point, I always notice that people who will come in, they want to lose weight. They want to, it takes them... Years and years and years to gain 30, 40 pounds, but they want it off like yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Without changing anything, yeah. Yeah, without changing anything. They want to still eat the same foods and all this other stuff. But two-part question there for you with the fact that why do we want to go to the extreme? extreme? And then when all hope runs out, then we want to go to uh, something alternative. And Mm -hmm. the other part of that question is – Again, why is it that we uh, and I lost my train of thought here? But, realistic um, expectations. Yeah, Having why is it that we don't have realistic expectations when it comes to anything yeah. other than the doctor? Yeah. And the well, it, for for one thing, I think that one of the realistic expectations of people is that they are used to allopathic medicine, and that allopathic medicine has one thing to its credit, and that is that, like, if you take if you have, uh, you break your arm and you take a pain pill, the pain will go away. You know what I mean? It's like it, it, that's one thing that, is, that it does have in its favor is that if you take a pill for something like that, you know, it works and it works immediately. Naturopathic medicine does not work that way, and so there, you're, there has to be a completely different expectation level, okay? But the, the thing is, is that, so, okay, so you have pain, so you take a pill to get rid of the pain, but that means you have to keep taking those pills. And when you stop taking those pills, the pain comes back. And when you continue to take pills, you continue to get side effects, and then you're taking more pills for the side effects. So in natural medicine, it takes longer for you to get rid of the pain, but it doesn't come back, you know. And when you're removing the the, the source of the pain, then, you know, you don't have to take anything extra. But people are so used to having a headache and taking an aspirin and having it go away that they think that that's how natural medicine is going to work, you know, as well. Um, As far as cancer um, and things like that, cancer, number one, is just extremely scary. I don't know that there's too many words in our language that are any scarier um, than cancer. And they throw that word around like it's, you know, peanuts these days. Um, when I was a, a child, you know, if somebody was like, oh, did you hear Aunt Marge? She got, you know, you know, it's like whispered, and because it was so rare, you know. And now it's like, uh, oh, you want to go play golf? And it's like, oh, I got to go get a skin skin cancer removed on the way, but I'll meet you guys there, you know. It's, it's just they're using it, like, for everything now. But it's extremely, um, extremely frightening. Um, and they scare people into uh, doing this. Now, I... 
I, I outlined in my book, I know, again, I know this sounds crazy to people, but um, this is true. I, I got an invitation from the local hospital one time to come in uh, to a seminar that was regarding um, uh, natural, natural type medications that, or natural supplements that contradicated with uh, chemo and that kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, that sounds, you know, sounds interesting. I'll go see that. I don't think they realized there, that a naturopath was in the room because it was really crazy. I mean, they were actually teaching these people, these doctors, they were saying, well, if somebody's taking anything natural, you have to, you know, pretend that you think it's okay, just, just not for now. And they were actually teaching them phrases to say, like, oh, tell them, oh, no, those vitamins, they're, they're fine for usual. I just, I just think for right now, you know, that you should just, you know, do what I'm telling you to do and, 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 and not do those for now. And they were actually teaching these doctors ways to get people to not take natural medicine and to not listen to anybody that might be giving them any other, you know, idea other than the chemo and radiation. Um, chemo doesn't work. I mean, it, it, it stops. Sometimes you can put a person into remission for a period of time, um, but it also breaks down their immune system. And so the tendency is, is when somebody's had chemo for something, it usually comes back uh, stronger the next time because the person's immune system has been defeated. But even though chemo, if you look, I mean, if you go on the Internet, if you look into the Journal of uh, American Medicine, if you look at anything, it will tell you that chemo has a terrible track record. But it's all that they've, they've got right now. So people are very, very scared to do anything that is, quote, outside the norm. Um, the, the biggest thing with cancer especially, but cancer, heart disease, diabetes, which are the really big ones, is that these are the most avoidable diseases that there are out there with lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, you can avoid cancer completely by putting the correct fuel into your body. You know, if you are oxygenated, your pH is, is uh, you know, alkaline and good, and, um, you know, and you're not, you know, not, don't have inflammation in your body, then the cancer cells can't replicate. They can't grow. So you can actually create an environment in your body where cancer is just next to impossible. But they're not teaching that. I mean, all the money that goes to the American Cancer Society, they're not saying, well, if you drink more water, then your risk of bladder cancer goes down by about 49%. Mm-hmm. You know? So there's mm-hmm. no – they scare people, and when people get scared, they go to the knee-jerk reaction. Um, I had a, a veterinarian do that to me. My, one of my dogs got poked in the eye with a cactus, actually. And um, I took him to the vet just to see if his eye was okay. And if there was anything in his eye, and she started telling me, oh, he's having an immune response, he's got autoimmune disease, he needs surgery immediately, he's going to die. And I'm like freaking out. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, maybe I need to. And then I'm thinking, you know this is wrong, you know. I mean, and, yeah. also, and I said, stop talking to me like that, you know. And she, I know better, and she scared the tar out of me, you know. <laughs> so there's a lot of people walking around out there that don't really know, and they don't know what natural medicine really is. I mean, I've had so many people that walk in my office and they think that there's going to be like, you know, sitar music and, you know, people meditating in the, uh, you know, in the waiting room and that, you know, I'm going to come downstairs with my grass skirt, you know, with a snake wrapped around my neck. You know, they have, they have really no concept of what this is, you know, or what, it's just, it's medicine. It's just going to, it's, it's just using the non-toxic medicine. Um, now, as far um, the um, expectations, is always important to have a realistic expectation. No matter what you have, it took you years to get it, and it's going to take time to get it undone. But the expectation in cancer has become very interesting because um, 
people a lot of times, um, I had a woman, um, she did, oh gosh, something like 50-something rounds of chemo uh, and dozens of radiation, uh, both breast removed, uh, you know, really extreme for many, many years. And then when they told her that she had no expectation of living and to go home and get her affairs in order, then she comes into my office. <laughs> yeah, that's why like, I say okay, you get the worst of the worst, yes. Oh, man. And the, the problem is if the person still has some liver function mm-hmm. and they still have some organ function, then I'm willing to, to keep swinging if they are. You know, what I, what I told them is, look, you've got to have a realistic expectation about this. You know, you've taken out organs. You know, you've poured poison into your body. You've had all these things going on. If you want to keep trying, I'll keep helping you, but you've got to have a realistic expectation about this. Um, I had a woman come in who had had eight, eight organs removed. And I said to her as nicely as I could, but I, you know, I said, I understand that you're scared. And I said, but I'm a natural practitioner. I'm a naturopath. And what I do is get your organs and your body system functioning as well as it can, and you don't have any left. You know, there's nothing that I can do when you've had them removed. Wow. How is she still living with eight organs left? Eight organs gone. Well, I mean. Not well. Not well. She she did not last very long after that from what I understand. I you know, I was very clear with her, you know, um, on that thing, on that, her first visit that I, there was not going to be, I mean, I, I, you know, she just didn't have any organs to continue working. And at that point, because of what had been removed and what had been happened to her, she was having bones break when she, like, leaned her arm on the table, you know. Mm. She, she broke a bone in her foot, foot getting out of bed. Mm. You know, if it, what gets done to people is just... Uh, for yeah, me, I know. I, you know, it, it, it's unfathomable to me that people, but it's because they don't know any better, Darren, and they get scared. I know yeah, that. And that, they do what you tell them. I always say that that fear is a bee. I won't say the word on the air, but that fear is mm-hmm. a bee. And most people, the fear drives them to make some pretty crazy um, decisions. But, uh, Let's change the subject because one thing that kind of hit home with me in your book again, and I want to shout this from the mountaintop, is talking about microwaves. And I had heard mm. and I, I threw my microwave away about eight years ago, and I never used one. Anytime I have to heat up food, I just do it the old school way, put it in a pot and heat it up in a stainless steel pot and heat it up on the stove. But I'd heard a... Yeah, I heard a well-known health practitioner, and you probably know who I'm talking about. And I was listening to one of his podcasts. He said, well, I don't see anything wrong with microwave. I'm like, I'm not listening to you anymore. <laughs> I had to turn the mm-hmm. podcast off. But mm-hmm. what's, what's the whole thing with microwave? And I see people just throw their stuff in the microwave, heat it up for two minutes, and then they sit there and they eat it. And they always ask me, why don't you use microwaves? And I just don't say anything. I, say, I just choose not to use them because I don't yeah. want to get into the whole science of the thing. But What's so wrong with microwaves? I would, first of all, I would rather wait for one of those easy bake ovens to like heat something <laughs> up, you know? Right. <laughs> the ones that used to take 18 hours to cook one of those little cakes. Yeah. My, I would my sister had one. I would stick it in. Yes, so did I. So but that, I would rather wait for that. Um, <clears throat> basically, they should call, instead of calling it microwave ovens, they should call it radiation ovens, but they would probably 
you know, that would probably dent sales, you know, pretty well if people knew that they were being cooked by radiation. I mean, people, they want to stay away from high power lines and stuff like that, but they stick their food in those nasty things. I mean, there, there have been independent studies in Switzerland, in Russia, uh, in Italy, everything. They found that cooking in a microwave changes the molecular structure of the food. You can take almost any healthy food, meat, uh, vegetables, dairy, anything like that, and it will turn it into a completely unrecognizable carcinogen by sticking them in one of those stupid ovens. You know, and, and it's also, it messes up your, um, it demagnetizes brain tissue, um, decreases white cell production, which is, of course, your immune response, and it also, over time, it alters or it also can completely shut down both male and female uh, hormone, hormone production. I mean, wow. these, they, are, they are nasty. And, and the reason, you know, it's, it's amazing, Darren, because people will make an excuse um, for anything that they want to keep. You know, it's, I'm sure that you've noticed that. You know, I had somebody come in and coughing, and they're like, I have a terrible cough. And they come in, and, you know, in a couple months, and they're like, oh, I'm still coughing. And I said, what are you talking about? You're still smoking. Oh, it's not that. I, I, it's not the cigarettes. I mean, I, I coughed way before the cigarettes. You know, this, is, this is not the You know, if they, whatever habit it is they want to keep, you know, whether it's smoking or it's a certain food or, or you know, any kind of habit that, they, that you might want to have, they will find an excuse to keep it. And microwave ovens are very, very, very convenient, you know. Yeah, and so I, um, people are like, oh, there's nothing wrong with them. They're great. <laughs> yeah, and it just probably about a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago, there was a, a um, article floating around on Facebook, and I, I clicked on the article and I read it, and it said there's nothing wrong with microwave ovens. And they had this whole... I saw that, too. A little dissertation. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, this is the exactly. same propaganda they use to keep people off balance with with everything else, and people fall for the same thing over and over again. Um, yep. At the beginning of the show, you talked about how you work with your patients' diets, and you had a a really good example of how you kind of reeled your own diet back in and you found where you could kind of mm-hmm. eat more calories and you were losing weight and things fit better. Can you get into that story? Yeah, this, this is amazing. Now, I um, um, originally, back in when the, <clears throat> excuse me, when the blood type diet first came out, uh, Peter Diodamo's blood type diet, um, mm-hmm. I had been trying to be uh, a vegetarian at the time. I thought, you know, I'll... I'm I'm an experimenter, you know, and I want to see where where my health is going to feel the best and all of that. And um, and also I was modeling at the time, and I wanted to keep my weight, you know, really low. And so I thought, oh, I'll, you know, be a vegetarian. I'll try that. Oh man, that was oh, that was the most brutal six months of my life, you know, to try and do that. I was I was constantly hungry. I was depressed. Um, I got sick for the first time in my life. I mean, I'm one of those people that doesn't even get cold, you know. And I was it, was, it was just a bad experiment. So um, I went back to eating red meat and immediately, immediately felt better. So um, I thought, you know, when I saw the blood type diet thing come out, I thought, all right, I got to check this out. If this guy says I'm supposed to be a vegetarian, I'll know it's stupid, you know. But instead, he was saying that, oh, blood types, which is what I am, um, mm-hmm. thrive, you know, with meat and all that kind of stuff. So I went on to the blood type diet, and the only health problem I had at the time was my um, elbows um, used to hurt quite a bit. I was, I thought maybe I was just <clears throat> lifting weights wrong or doing something, but it wasn't. It was, as it turned out, it was the potatoes. I was eating white potatoes, and I was eating, um, you know, a couple other things that I shouldn't have had an O blood type. 
And as soon as I stopped eating those things, then I immediately felt better. So I, I used a blood type diet for many, many years. And then um, I started working with my own uh, diet, which <clears throat> I'm sure we'll discuss later, but it's uh, called the Spectrum Balance Protocol. And I realized that eating any grains whatsoever, any grains, any legumes, anything with what is called a phytate covering on it, which is what's on grains, was stripping away vital minerals and, and iron, especially iron, magnesium, calcium, copper, you know, was actually stripping those out of my diet. And so, and it was taking iron out of the, the, this diet, and, I, and that's where, how, where the high manganese was coming from in these kids' diets because the iron was being chelated. So I was putting this together, and one day my sister-in-law says, well, you know, that's a paleo diet. And I said, all right. <laughs> you know? And right. so I started researching uh, paleo. Mm -hmm. So I had noticed over the years that um, I've never been, a, like, a big, you know, person or anything like that, but I've noticed over the years that um, eating anything like um, any kind of grain, um, very much dairy, I can eat some dairy, but not a lot, um, uh, even rice, um, potatoes, anything like that was really slowing me down. I mean, I, I would feel, you know, fatigue from them and uh, all of that kind of stuff. And, and I really had to, if I had any of those in my diet, I had to actually look at calories and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I thought, you know, I'm going to try this paleo thing. I'm just going to take all the grains out of my diet. Now, to be really clear about how much I was eating, I was probably eating, um, I'd say, three or four servings of some kind of grain a week. Okay? I know a lot of people that eat three or four servings of grain a day, and I was mm. eating that many maybe in a week, okay? So that's, that's what we're talking about here. That's how small the change is. So I took those three or four thermos grains out of my diet and immediately felt, I mean, I could not believe, I had a, um, a torn cartilage in my right wrist. It's, it's called a TFCC uh, tear, and they're almost impossible to get rid of. They're just, I, I was wearing a brace. Uh, you know, while I was writing and I was doing all this stuff, and it was it's constant pain. And within, gosh, six, eight weeks of taking that small, tiny amount of grain out of my diet, that thing healed up. And yeah. I, it was absolutely amazing to me. So I really started working with that. I was When I started um, paleo, I was, I'm about 5'5", five five and I was like a size 2. And now I'm, um, and I weighed 120 pounds. And now I'm actually wearing double zeros, and I'm 130 pounds. And you're eating more, right? You said you were eating more in the book. And I gained 10 pounds. <laughs> I'm a 10 pound, I'm, I've got an extra. I went from 120 to about 115 when I started paleo. And now I've gone up. So I've gained 15 pounds of muscle and lost two clothing sizes. And I used to eat, I would say, right in the neighborhood of 12 to 1,500 calories a day you know, pretty much lifelong, and I eat between uh, more like 2,500 to 3,000 now. And I get uh, about 50 to 60% of my calories from good fat. Yeah, I think I forget who I was listening to. I don't know if it was Ray Audet or someone. Uh, I think it was him, but he said that there was a study out there that said that people who ate the most calories uh, the mo you know, the most good calories or something to that effect mm -hmm. um, were the ones who lost the most weight. They never had any problems yeah. with their weight. I think it was him. I don't know. I'm not too sure. 
Um, I have a theory about that too, and that mm -hmm. is that all my life I've been a fat craver. Um, When my, you know how when your parents are out, you know, and you're a kid and you're sneaking around the house and you're looking for something you can, you know, get into. Um, I would eat butter with cinnamon in it. That was like my big sneak treat, you know. And I have always craved butter and cheese and fatty meats and, you know, those kinds of things. And that's always been what I craved. And I've never had a weight problem in my life. And, I'm, and when in asking my clients, I say, you know, are you a fat craver or a sugar craver? The fat cravers rarely, rarely have weight problems, and the sugar cravers rarely don't have weight problems. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Um, I like uh, lamb. Like lamb to me is a very fatty meat. If I eat lamb, I mm-hmm. can eat it one time a day, and it fills me up the whole day. If I eat chicken, it's like I could eat three whole chickens. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing nothing for me, and it's the the fat content. I find out I'm just like you. If I eat a lot of fat and fatty meat, um, then it it tends to satiate me for you know for a very very long time. Anything else won't um, do that at all. Well, that's what fat is for. I mean, it it satiates you. It keeps you warm. You know. I mean, think about like the um, Eskimos. You know, and people like that that just thrive on fat because they live in those extremely cold you know, climates where you need an enormous amount of calories to just, you know, to just keep going and stay healthy. Yeah, but you try to tell people to eat fat. You still have some people that are fat phobic out there, like, oh, I don't want to eat that. Yep. It's low. They still think about low fat, and you know, they're afraid of butter. They're afraid of, you know, lard or anything else. They're yep. just afraid of the whole thing because they still uh, think that everything is about vegetable oil and staying away from fat. I don't, I don't get it. It's it's so hard, especially with women that are in their, uh, I'd say about in the 50 to 60 range. It's just, they, it's, you know, so many of them are trying to lose weight, and you just can't talk them into it. You know, it's just, they. I've had people cry in my office at the idea of eating butter. I believe That's it. Nuts. I don't I believe I believe it because people are still so fat phobic, and most of the time, it's more like you said, it's more women that are fat phobic than mm-hmm. there are men out there. And then you have that whole segment that don't eat the uh, don't eat the yolks, still eat the whites, and everybody's still um, fat phobic. Uh, yeah, three- I had a, a guy come in and he said, you know, what what are you what are you going to tell me? You're going to tell me I'm going to have to be a vegetarian and I have to start eating rabbit food and you know live on tofu and you know. And I said. What would you say to me if I told you that you can have butter, you can have red meat, you can have bacon, you can have these vegetables, you just can't eat bread? And he said, I would say, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's not well, – I, I guess people think that when food uh, is healthy, then it has to taste bad, and it, and it can taste anything, but especially if you use the right spices and seasonings and <laughs> – and then you vary your diet other than brown rice and, and chicken breast, which is what I used to eat all the time when I thought I was doing yeah. when I was, thought I was going to be a bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bodybuilders are amazing what they what you eat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how they they live. And most of them most of them are unhealthy. People don't even realize that that they're un, they're unhealthiest when they're on stage and doing all that posing. They have they don't have any water in their bodies, so they can get all the striation, it's, it's amazing. But I wanted to touch on uh, two quick things, and then 
I kind of wanted to end the show on focusing on uh, the two of the stories that you told, because to me, they were amazing. You had a ton of stories in the book, but these two stories just really resonated with me. So I want to end the shows on that. One is water. You kind of touched on that, the importance of water earlier in the show. Tell us more about water, because you actually made me start drinking more water. Because I thought, hey, all right. <laughs> I thought I was drinking enough water, and I'm down here in South Florida, so it's always humid. And I realized that I said, Darren, I said, you're not drinking enough water, and I always have problems with my digestion. And I realized, and I, I did a YouTube video, and it's not posted yet. I got to post it, but I realized that my digestion flowed a little bit more, uh, a little bit better. I started to feel a, a lot better by just drinking more water, and I thought I was drinking enough. But tell us more about water. Well, for some reason, a lot of people got this idea in their head, you know, that eight, eight glasses a day, you know, or something like that. And mm-hmm. I think that that got started because the average weight uh, of people at that time was um, about 150 pounds. And so if you weigh about 150 pounds, then that's probably about right. What you want to be shooting for, basically, and being you're in South Florida and me in the dry, 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 zero humidity atmosphere that I'm in, need to be drinking a little bit more than this. But what you generally want people to shoot for is to take your body weight, divide it in half, and drink that many ounces of water a day. That's kind of a good rule of thumb. So if, if you weigh 100 pounds, you know, then you only have to drink 50 ounces of water a day. But if you weigh 200 pounds, then you need to be drinking 100 ounces of water a day. And neither one of those are, are the eight glasses a day. But water is one of the most important things. It's, it's funny how many things come down just to common sense to me. Your body is mostly made of water. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what your, your body is mostly made of water, and yet people don't give it water. And what, what, what a lot of people say is they say, um, well, I'm never thirsty. If you're not thirsty, and everybody pick up their pen and paper right now because I'm about to say something, you know, good here. If you're not thirsty, you are dehydrated. If you are not thirsty, you are dehydrated. Now, joint back pain, all that kind of stuff, was it, there was a, um, a study that was done. I'm trying to think. I think it was the University of Washington. I'm not positive. But it said that um, it, it reduced by 80% joint and back pain from being hydrated. It, it reduces nighttime hunger. Usually when people that constantly snack, you know, that are always snacky, it's because they're they're, they're thirsty. They're being they're dehydrated. Um, being sufficiently hydrated cuts down your cancer risk enormously. You colon cancer by like 45%, um, bladder cancer by about 50%. You know, and what a lot of people do now, though, the, the, the mistake that they make with water, and I'm sure you see this a lot, is people have now, they're walking around with their water bottles all the time, and they're going, oh, oh, I need to drink more water. So they'll drink eight or nine ounces of water in one glug, you know. And that doesn't, that doesn't work. I mean, you've you got to think of yourself like a plant. You know, I always tell people, think drip line, you know, not sprinklers. And what you want to do is drink no more than just a couple of sips of water at a time. Because that way, you know how when you water a plant, if you put a little bit of water into it, then the, then the water soaks into the ground. If you pour right. a huge amount of water, it just runs over. And that's why people find themselves having to run to the bathroom every five minutes because you just flooded your internal flower pot, you know, where right. if you take just little sips of water at a time all day, then you're not in the bathroom all the time. 
You know, because it soaks in and it stays in your body where it belongs. Right, I got to tell my girlfriend that. <laughs> tell her grip line, not sprinklers. Yeah. Right, right. The other thing I want to touch on is uh, enzymes, um, and I mm-hmm. read about the importance of those. And uh, I, I know you have your own you have your own line of enzymes, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us because about the importance I'm a of those. Demon. I'm a demon on enzymes. I don't like vitamins. I love enzymes. Um, the, pro- the, the problem is people keep pointing and saying that food does not have as much nutrient in it as it did in, say, the 1950s. And that's totally true, but there's still plenty there, you know, for you to get what you need from your food as long as you can get to them. The problem is, is that what is missing from food now, even raw vegetables and everything, is enzymes because the air, the soil, the water, it's, it's just not putting sufficient enzymes into the food. So you're eating your food, but you can't get to your vitamins and minerals because there's not sufficient enzyme in your body to break the food down to the point that you can get to them. So I, I tell everybody to, you know, enzymes. And I could not find a, um, an enzyme complex that I, that I liked, you know, that I thought was – there were some that were kind of close, but um, they were also uh, massively expensive if they were anywhere near, you know, what I wanted them to be. And some people, you know, it's, it's really okay to say, well, you know, you need to spend more money on your health and less on – you know, other things and stuff like that, but, but some people just don't have it to spend. So not only is taking less supplements, you know, it, it's, it's also cost-effective, you know, which is good for a lot of people. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm taking multivitamins, and I said, instead of that, take a good quality broad-spectrum enzyme, because then you'll be getting your vitamins and minerals from your food. You now, um, a lot of times, too, there is an enzyme called catalase, and you don't see that in enzyme blends, and catalase eats, uh, it's an antioxidant and it eats cancer cells and it eats, you know, uh, toxins and things that don't belong in your body. Mm-hmm. So I just put a blend together that has that. Now, just this year, too, I also added uh, in phytase. Um, I touched on phytate earlier, which is the covering that's in grains and legumes and things like that. And the phytase is like the anti-phytase. So if you're traveling, if you're, you know, not being able to control what you're eating perfectly and all of that, then there's also phytase in these enzymes that will help, you know, eat the, or get rid of the uh, phytate, you know, that, that is in all of the food. But I just, the enzymes are anti-inflammatory, you know, there's anti-inflammatory enzymes, there's antioxidant enzymes, there's digestive enzymes. You know, enzymes make your life better, they make, <laughs> they make your food digest better, they make your joints work better, you know, it makes you uptake your vitamin mineral out of your food, and it is the one thing that I insist that every single one of my clients take is enzymes. Yeah. What's the, what's the name of your, um, your brand? So my brand is um, it's, uh, Assertive Wellness Center, which is my center. So they're Assertive Wellness Enzyme Balance Complete. And those are available on uh, Amazon. If you just uh, put in a third of wellness, um, they will pull them up. I have uh, enzymes, and I also have a, um, an omega-3 uh, Optima product that I use. Um, Omega-3s are my other one that I really like. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, I didn't want to keep you too much longer. I think we got about 10 minutes in the show. One of the stories I wanted to touch on, and then we'll touch on the other one uh, lastly, was the story about, the, I believe the it was a girl that came in a wheelchair and you thought she was suffering from um, it wasn't MS it was uh, cerebral palsy yeah, yeah cerebral palsy and how you you I, I'm sitting there um, 
reading this, the, the both of these stories, and I'm like, she thinks exactly like how I would think. I'm like, she's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say anything about myself, but how you piece everything together, and you and it made so much sense to me when I'm sitting there reading. I was like, she would take it exactly like I would take it. I'll just piece it together bit by bit, and how you did it, and how you end up helping um, this young this young girl. So, can you kind of uh, tell the listeners about that story? Um, and for those out there, yeah. get the book. The book is you got to read this book if you're someone who's trying to piece together things that your help. Read this book, but let's touch on that story real quick. She, um, when she came in, um, she was in a wheelchair, had been her entire life, as I said, she was a, a CP, a cerebral palsy kid, um, and she was not even able to sit up in the wheelchair completely. She had a band um, that went kind of under her arms, you know, to hold her body up somewhat, you know, in the wheelchair because she was unable to support herself. And they were concerned because she has you know, issues that, of course, happen to people that are in wheelchairs and, or that are in bed, you know, um, sores, you know, constipation, those kinds of things, and they were helping, hoping that it could help a little bit with that. But um, when I asked, I, you know, I said, how, you know, how did this happen or what happened? And her father started telling the story of her birth, and it was extremely traumatic. He said that they, they literally yanked her out and threw her on a table and yanked her head back and stuffed in innovation, you know, innovation tube down her throat. And, and when he was telling the story, he started, he teared up and started crying. And I noticed that the girl, she, she was moving strange. She, you know, her arms were just kind of hanging, but she was like kind of moving and, you know, going. And I realized finally, she finally was able to move enough that her hand landed, you know, on her dad's arm. And he looked up at her and she was looking at him and she was obviously trying to comfort him. And I thought, okay, because supposedly these kids are not, there's no thought process. You know, they're not having any, you know, uh, anything like that. And I thought that not only was thought process, that was sweet. You know what I mean? She was, you know, she was trying to to help him. Mm -hmm. And so that immediately made me wonder, you know, what else was going on in there? And, um, And, you know, what else we could do for her? Um, but she, um, um, I, I went out, I stepped out of the room, I asked her dad if he wanted to get water, and so the parents went out of the room, and when I told them, I said, look, you know, there's stuff we can do for constipation, you know, weight and that kind of stuff, and I said, but that kid is in there, I said, she's not, she's not out of it, she understands everything that's going on, and I said, but there are some things that we could try, and what I actually suggested was a uh, cranial sacral therapy, which is a, a very specific therapy that I recommend a lot. I think that it's, it's really helpful. And also to um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy because, uh, you know, that a lot of times will help people with, you know, that have had oxygen deprivation um, to their brain. But I will never forget, I, you know, I got down and I, I kneeled in front of her and I said, I know you're in there. And I said, and, and I promise I'm, I'm going to do everything that I can do to help you get out. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, I know you understand what we're saying. I know all of this. And the tears started to roll down her face. 
And I thought, I've got to find her there, you know. So I found a cranial sacral therapy. Strangely enough, in this little place where I live, we have a great one. Um, I found her hyperbaric oxygen therapy that was not too far away, and we found fact her parents actually wound up uh, buying a chamber. Mm. And she, um, she, made, she started to get much better her language. She was not speaking at all. And she came on with full-on vocabulary because she had always understood every word everybody said. It's just that the oxygen deprivation of brain was not allowing her to speak. Um, so just, just to hit the high points here, when she was 16, they actually mainstreamed her into high school. And um, she graduated with her class. She won a statewide award in, uh, in psychology. Um, and she went to, uh, she just graduated from, uh, from college. And she is running uh, her own at-home business at this time. And I just got word in uh, March, her grandmother came in and was buying some supplements and told me that she was getting married. Wow. And see, the thing about that, and when I read that the story, I said most medical practitioners, I don't want to say MDs or anything, but, but yeah. I guess that it was, but they would probably have given up on her, and she would have been in a wheelchair. She had already been written off. Yeah. She had already been written off. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, but, I mean, yeah, and there's a lot of people yeah, that's that's an awesome story. Kudos to you for even having the having the fortitude to to go through that and and never give up. It's just it's it's amazing. Um, the last story, and I'll let you go. There's so much I wanted to touch on, and for you the listeners out there, please get the book. The book is it's a lot of stuff in here, and I had 50 questions prepared. I knew I wasn't going to get to all of them, but the last one is the. Uh, the Popeye protocol, and um, it'll make sense once you explain it to the listeners, but the whole autism thing and the link you found between what was going on and how you're still actually working with that. Yeah. Well, I will tell people, too, if they want more information on that, that they can go to um, noharmfoundation.org. And there, there's like 180 pages of science there that they can look at, testimonials, and the diet itself if they want to download it. But what happened was in um, 2005, I had a, a child come in. He was three years old, and he was uh, autistic. And his mom didn't have any expectation that I was going to be able to touch his autism because, you know, the, the whole paradigm of autism is that there's no known cause, no known treatment, no known cure, and that's pretty much what everybody has, has, uh, has bought into. Um, but he had uh, a lot of the problems that the autistic kids have, which, you know, asthma, eczema, you know, uh, bowel issues, that kind of stuff. So we were going to work on that. But in the course of testing him, I, I just use a piece of bioresident equipment. As I said, I don't do anything invasive at all. But it kept spitting the word manganese back at me, and I, and I had never seen that happen, and I'd been in practice for a long time at that point and, and uh, had never really seen that happen. So finally I just wrote it. It's funny, I just looked at his chart a couple of days ago because I'm writing a book right now, and I see that word manganese with a question mark written in the corner of his chart, and I thought, boy, did that put me on a different path. Um, so I worked with them, and then that whole manganese thing just kept, I just kept thinking about it, thinking about it. And he also acts like, he, anemic, he acts like his iron is low, and he has a lot of those symptoms. So iron and manganese use the same receptor sites uh, in the brain, and they can, you know, they have to share receptor sites. So I started looking things up about um, manganese, you know, and what the problems were, and he didn't have any symptoms whatsoever of low manganese. So I started looking up symptoms of high manganese, and 
bingo, I hit this article by a uh, Weston A. Price that was called Manganese Madness. And man, I mean, that described this kid perfectly, just the extreme sensory overload, um, you know, light being too strong, everything being too loud. It, it, just, it just really, you know, hit. And I thought, well, yeah, his iron obviously would be low if his manganese was high because it's supposed to share receptor sites in the brain. So um, I just kind of did some really quick research on some high iron foods and high manganese foods and called his mom. And I said, look, I want to try this experiment, which is so funny. It still strikes me as odd. I called her at like 9 o'clock at night. I don't know why, <laughs> what I thought I was doing, but she was good with it. Uh, <laughs> but I said... Um, you know, let's try giving him these really high iron foods and take the manganese ones out and just see, you know, if that helps or if that does anything. Because the poor kid, he couldn't even get anywhere near like a window because his eyes would tear up and water and he was just very light sensitive. So she was like, well, do you think he'll eat that stuff? You know, will he eat, you know, these, will he eat spinach? Will he eat these? And, um, and I said, well, you know, let him play with his food. Just, you know, eat with his hands, you know, whatever he wants to do. Just, just get it in him. And I said, keep, keep me informed if, if, if that helps. I'm really interested in, in whether that would do anything or not. Mm-hmm. So she called me back about 10 days later, and she said that he was much less uh, light sensitive, much less sound sensitive, that he wasn't smelling all his food, because he would smell everything like a puppy dog is the way she described it. And um, he was, like, um, biting plants in my office and stuff. You know, he was, he was very, you know, sensory like that. Mm-hmm. And that he was eating really well. She said he was always been a really picky eater, and now he was, like, dying for dinner time and, you know, was really hungry and everything. But she sounded really excited, you know, excited. And I said, you know, what else is going on? And I said, something's up. And she said he started talking. Mm. Well, he he was three, Darren, and he had not spoken a word since he was, like, a year old. And I said, well, I'm babbling? And she goes, no. She said he was eating a spinach salad with his hands, and he was humming and, you know, all of that. And she said, boy, you really liking that salad. And he said, yeah, I eat it all up. Full hmm. Wow. Nine days into the diet. Nine days. Wow. And so, the, so we continued the, working with it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I upped his fats. I upped mm-hmm. his fats. We, we upped the iron, got rid of the manganese and all of this. And... About three months after I started working with that kid, they re-diagnosed him. They said he was not autistic. Wow. And just off and of balance? Just Go ahead. from getting the iron and manganese balance. Now, we originally, a couple of our hero foods that we had were spinach and olive oil. And so we started jokingly in the office calling it the Popeye Protocol. Yeah, I thought that was... Because spinach and the olive oil. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I could relate to that. But that over the years has morphed into the Spectrum Balance uh, Protocol, Mm -hmm. um, which is now, um, it has, I have been, um, my brother and I created a not-for-profit, which is the No Harm Foundation, um, quite a while, uh, many years, about six years ago now, and we've been giving the diet away as a free download. And it has to date been downloaded in all 50 states and in 67 other countries. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. What's your What's your website? I don't think you mentioned it. Yeah, it's noharmfoundation.org. That's the one for the Spectrum Balance Protocol for the diet. Um, I have my own website also, just at drshawnayoung.com. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm going to I'm actually going to plug your book for you right now. There's a couple of stories we didn't get to get to and my favorite stories are obviously the ones that are more heartfelt which one the ones we discussed, but there's a couple of funny stories in the in the book and please go and pick the book up. It's Blood Pressure and the UFO. I call it Blood Pressure and the UFO um <laughs> about this lady and her blood pressure. Uh, oh, the other yeah. one was a husband, wife, and a sex drive. I'm like, I can't believe Dr. Shauna said that to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was sitting here laughing as I was reading it. And there's a lot I of I never other saw him st- ever again in his life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a, uh, a, a story you tell about the mom and her son, uh, eight-year-old son. Um, and there's a couple of really good stories in there, like really – I call it on on the front line type stories. You don't hear those stories from you know from other people. They're just really heartfelt, really good stories. Where can they get this this book? Um, the book is available on Amazon or on um, uh, Barnes and Noble online. They also have it. Um, Amazon. We we did a um, the, the reviews on Amazon just never cease to amaze me. Um, the, the book is is being extremely well reviewed, uh, and in February we actually had over twenty one thousand copies downloaded um, on the ebooks. So Amazon, and you can either put in my name, uh, which is S H A U N A, and then last name Young, and it'll pull up, or you can put in um, the name of the book is If Naturopaths Are Quacks then I guess I'm a duck. Yeah, and I told you that I had originally, I, I knew I wanted to read it because I'd heard you on another show, and I had it on my wish list on Amazon, and then Sean Croxton, who does the Underground Wellness mm-hmm. Show, kind of got me started with this. Um, he had, I don't know how he did that. I don't have to ask him how he did that to offer it for free, and he had it as a free download, and I downloaded it and, and started reading. I'd love to do that for the people out there just to, to get them reading, but mm-hmm. Kindle is the way to go. You and I were discussing that off the air because you can highlight things in there, uh, whereas with a physical book, you know, you can you can do that as well. But Kindle makes it a lot easier to just be able to highlight it right there while you're reading. Yeah, so. yeah I think the, the Kindle program is wonderful. It's been a great thing for authors and readers. Yeah, and we didn't touch on a lot of stuff. I wanted to touch on artificial sweeteners, all kinds of stuff, but mm-hmm. I just tried to give everyone just a real well-rounded and not give away too much. If you wanted to know everything that's in the book, get the book. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, buy the book because it's well worth the money that you're going to spend for it, and it's something that you can go back and kind of reference um, many times over. Yeah. So, Dr. Sean. Another great has, thing about Kindle, you can have it in 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can have it 30 seconds. You don't have to buy it and wait for it to come to your house, which is always good for me because sometimes I'm a little bit trifling when it comes to reading my guest books. So I can just download them there and then and read them and also have them. But, Dr. Sean, it has been an honor to have you on my show. I'd love to have you back. I know you're writing another book, so when you get that book, send me a copy and we'll get you back on the show. I will. I'd love to be on any time, Darren. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much for your time tonight. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Have a good night. You too. All right. So that was one of, a really fun show. I really enjoyed that show. I enjoy reading books like that. And like I said, I, I plugged the book because it's it was so parallel to what I did in the pharmaceutical industry and what she talks about. So I could really, really relate to that whole thing of 
some things that we really didn't touch on in the in the uh, the podcast here or the interview here. But if you go and you read that, it'll really resonate with you. Next week we'll have Dr. Wayne Pickering on. Dr. Wayne is actually a naturopath, just like Dr. Shauna, and he'll be talking about food combining and something really really interesting. A lot, of, like I said before at the beginning of the show, a lot of us are creating our own uh, intestinal problems, our own gastric problems by combining the wrong foods. And we'll get into that and how to combine your foods. We'll talk about fruit. We'll talk about all of that on the show next week. So we will talk We will talk again on the same fat time, same fat channel, 8 o'clock next Wednesday. So see you then. Peace and love and good night. Thanks. <laughs>